Welcome to our podcast. We talk all about the excessively nice type C personality. I'm Dr. Corey Gleed, a clinical psychologist. I'm Anna White, a former Wall Streeter and recovering type C. Type C people hate disappointing others, carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, avoid conflict, and suppress emotions. Many of us identify as type C. Our health has suffered and we want to learn new ways of living healthier. On this podcast, we'll pull from our own experiences and also learn from experts. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, so today we have a very interesting podcast all about fatigue. Fatigue is something that many, many people with type C struggle with. And there was a very interesting article recently in the New York Times about long COVID and fatigue. And it really sparked Anna and I just talking about this subject in relationship to type C. So that is gonna be the topic for our podcast today. I think it's actually a real positive that fatigue is now being studied thanks to long COVID because I had an onset of fatigue that started in my early thirties and, you know, it was, it's it's such a mysterious, complicated condition and nobody really knows what to do with you. So the fact that COVID is bringing it to the forefront and people that have suffered for a really long time can now maybe get some answers and feel more seen and feel more heard is, is a really great development, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think chronic fatigue has been something that many people have struggled with for so long. And hopefully, you know, maybe the silver lining of long COVID is more findings that can be helpful for the future. Definitely. And I think maybe it might be helpful just to talk about, you know, what what chronic fatigue feels like, because a lot of people feel tired. And where is the fine line between just feeling tired and actually feeling this sense of, of chronic fatigue. And I, I can tell you from my experience, the biggest thing is unrefreshing sleep and waking up and feeling like you actually haven't slept no matter how long you have slept. And insomnia can really feed into that. But even if you get a, a long period of sleep, you still wake up feeling like, oh my gosh, a truck just ran over me. And I, I can't even believe that like, I feel this way. And I don't know, do your patients ever talk about that? So I I have had many patients over the years who've had chronic fatigue. And one of the things that I think you you talk about is how hard it is to have people understand and how some days are different than others. Some days there's more energy and other days it's so hard to get out of bed. It's so hard to engage in any activities, work. And unfortunately, a lot of times they go to doctors and doctors say, well, you need to exercise. And my patients will come back and say, like, how can I do that? I'm so tired. I can barely scrape myself out of bed to, you know, go to my office. I mean, I will say, I think um, a silver lining also of, of COVID and remote work is I think it's probably helped people tremendously. You know, it's funny you said that about exercise because it takes me back to a story when, when I was in the kind of in the thick of it and things were really bad, you know, I had some friends that really didn't understand. And as much as I tried to explain how I was feeling to them, they, they were super dismissive, which also is a silver lining. Sometimes when you have a chronic illness, you, you really learn who your friends are. But I remember a friend saying to me, you know, my doctor just says, exercise five days a week and then come back to me and let's talk about how you feel after that. And I really felt so dismissed after, after hearing that. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine exercising five days a week. That's not even remotely available to me. Like I am trying my hardest to get out of bed in the morning, 
to get through my workday, to save the tiniest bit of energy for my family. And that's really all I can do. And, you know, I realized like I'm actually one of the lucky ones because I never was bedridden. You know, a lot of people that have this chronic fatigue, they can't even get out of bed in the morning. They're really just this have this horrible, horribly disabled lifestyle. So I guess my point is there is that dismissal that can be, it can really compound fatigue because it can create more depression for you. You know, you just feel this sense of sadness that like I am experiencing a loss. I'm experiencing the loss of my energy and I'm experiencing the loss of some friends because they're not the friends that I need at this moment. You know, I think there's also some other things to think about that are really hard, which is that like when I talk to patients that have IBS or chronic fatigue or chronic pain, all of these medical biological issues that are so confusing. I think another thing that's very hard is doctors might say, well, keep a diary, right? Oftentimes my patients with IBS or, um, you know, definitely fatigue, like think about like what, what went on, you know, in the days when you're more tired, like what was happening the day before. And so many times it's not obvious, you know, there's, there's no exact diet. There's no exact stress level that said, Oh, well, I was just super stressed out or I ate the wrong thing. Or, you know, if there's just been so much stress, it, it's just, I think that that can also be really depressing because a lot of times, understandably, when you're struggling with fatigue or some other very, you know, invisible illness, you, you want to try to figure out, you know, why am I feeling this way? And I think a lot of times it's so confusing and doctors often don't necessarily know, you know, one of the things that I thought was hopeful about this long COVID article was talking about mitochondria and how maybe, you know, they're kind of like the powerhouse of the cell and maybe there's something going on. Maybe mitochondria play a role in fatigue. I thought it was interesting also how they were saying that it's possible that, you know, the body tries to conserve energy when it's fighting infection. And maybe people that have long COVID, the body sort of still thinks it's fighting infection. So it's still kind of trying to conserve energy. And then that third idea was that that people with long COVID may have lower cortisol, that cortisol is this sort of wake up hormone, and there may be something out of whack with your cortisol. So I'm kind of hoping that much less obvious and things that haven't been looked at maybe could be something that comes out of this unfortunate long COVID that might be able to help other people with chronic fatigue. Well, you know, just talking about the virus, there's always been discussion around whether Epstein-Barr virus causes chronic fatigue. And I always feel like when I read those articles about the mitochondria being disrupted somehow, that sort of resonates with me because you do feel like, okay, something's happening at the cellular level. Something is not quite right. And my cells are not functioning as they should be. And I don't know which cells it feels like all of them, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it kind of can take you back to basics feeling like, okay, well, how can I, how can I best nourish my own cells? Right. And, and then that becomes sort of a process of experimentation. Like, okay, what are the things that nourish me and actually do bring me energy. And, you know, after 20 years, I've, I've figured out a few things. I haven't figured out everything. I still have my insomnia, but I do have a regimen. And if I can stick to the regimen, I do feel almost normal. I know that I'm never going to feel back to normal, but I do feel like I can get some things done during the day. 
So I think pacing is a great thing to talk about here. So pacing is a strategy that's used in chronic fatigue and chronic pain. So the idea basically is that on the days we feel better, what we usually want to do is as much as we possibly can, because when we weren't feeling well, we had to stop doing a lot of things, whether it's small things like laundry or going to the grocery store or bigger things like spending time with friends or exercising or going to work. And so a lot of times people with chronic fatigue will kind of do as much as they can on those days when they feel better. But of course, that's way too much, but it's kind of understandable because, you know, you want to get as much stuff done. But so then the next day, they often wake up feeling worse. And so pacing is an idea of in order to do more, you do less. So on the days where you feel better, trying to do less and take it easy. And that was one of the things that they were mentioning in the COVID article for long COVID saying that actually you want to rest, you want to take it easy. And so on those days when you're feeling better, trying to do something, but not nearly as much as you'd like to do so that the next day you can also do something and not are completely exhausted because your, you know, your body still really struggles with getting things done. Yeah. But there's also guilt that comes with pacing. I'm the first one to tell you, because if you do feel energized and you feel like you have enough energy to get stuff done and then you, you don't, you rest instead, then, you know, you feel guilty. This happened to me yesterday. I had kind of a lighter day because this project that I'm working on kind of had some uh, delays in it. And I, you know, I took it easy. I thought, well, maybe I should pace today and, and, you know, conserve my energy because I might need it tomorrow. And I do feel energized today, but I definitely also feel guilty. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was just posting on her Instagram today, this article, this um, post, and, and I struggle with this a lot of relaxing and taking it easy. How, you know, I constantly feel like I need to get stuff done. There's never ending to-do lists. And, and I sometimes feel guilty if it's, you know, even a weekend, sometimes just kind of sitting down during the day and reading. And I try to remind myself, wait, 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 this is a terrible role model to be sending to my kids. My kids should know it's okay to sit down and do less. But the post on Instagram was basically just that, just feeling bad about relaxing or taking it easy. And all the while, like ultimately that helps me do more, right? So, you know, I, I just think it's really important. We talk about this sitting with guilt, recognizing that, you know, when we listen to guilt, it often hurts us in the long run. So really trying to realize that if I can rest yesterday like you did, then hopefully if things get really busy for you, you'll have more energy and just really trying to manage the guilt that it's going to show up and really trying to think about if I listen to this guilt, am I going to hurt myself in some way? And maybe sitting with the guilt, which is really uncomfortable, is actually hurts me less. I think we should also talk about the shame component that can come with a chronic illness like chronic fatigue. You know, I think it's it's probably not just chronic fatigue, but other conditions as well. And I know that, you know, it just took me a long time to kind of accept that, that something had happened and maybe it was my fault. Maybe it wasn't. I don't really know. I may never know, but there were some, you know, there was a lot of shame and I still carry around today, like that I can't be back to this hundred percent energized mom that I, that I want to be. And just a story to tell that's like, pretty difficult. But I just remember when I was traveling for work, I had this job where I had to travel down to Florida every other month or so. And, you know, I, I had to take an early morning flight. I got up or the alarm went off. I just thought I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't get out of bed. And I just kept pushing it as long as I possibly could. Right. And so finally I got myself out of bed 
I had on a t-shirt and yoga pants and no makeup. And I was like, forget it. I'm just going to throw my clothes in the bag and I'll change when I get to the Palm Beach airport and I'll just deal with it from there because I just couldn't get up. And I ran into this friend of mine who in the airport was like, well, back up just a second. So I got to the airport and I was really pushing it. I got myself through security. And at that point I was like, oh shit, I'm going to miss my flight. And I was like running through the terminal full speed. Like I got to get to the flight. So at this point I run into my super, super polished, super successful friend who had flown in from somewhere else. And I run into her and she's like, Anna, and just with this look of like, holy cow, you look like ass. And what are you doing running through the airport? <laughs> like get yourself together. You know what I mean? And I, that's how I felt inside. I was like, why can't I just get myself together? I feel so ashamed, but it was just the circumstances of like, oh my God, I can't, like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get myself out there and get out of bed and get there on time. And anyway, I just bring that up because I've got a hundred examples like that. And I'm sure most chronic fatigue people do and chronic illness people do too, but it's just, something we have to normalize. I think it's just with a way that you're, that you're going to feel right. Because you're not back to your normal self. I think that the shame and the guilt is so important because also it's not visible. So with chronic fatigue or chronic pain, you can't see the illness and it's just not nearly as accepted, socially accepted. So, you know, if you say you have diabetes or if you have some sort of a physical, uh, problem, you know, uh, where you, you know, MS, where you may need to walk with a cane, or I'm not saying it's any easier, but I'm just saying, I think that, uh, unfortunately, when you can't see it, I think it can make it really, really, really hard to manage how you think other people see you and how other people do see you. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, I think shame and guilt for resting, for taking care of ourselves. You know, I think, unfortunately, in the US, and in many capitalistic cultures, there's just this productivity, uh, getting things done. And, you know, I just think it's so hard, when that might not always be the case. And for sure, I also think that that's not necessarily a good way to live. I think many, many people, when you look back on your life, when you're like 70 or 80, are you regretting the time you spent with friends or the vacations that you took? No, you're thinking, oh my God, why the hell did I work so much? Or why the hell did I do that thing so much and didn't you know, do the things that actually really matter to me? One thing I really want to talk about, because I've never really understood this about myself and I, I struggle with it daily is, so I know the regimen that works for me right? I know what it is. And it's eating a nutrient dense keto diet. It is intermittent fasting. It's doing some movement, getting on the sun, making sure that I am hyper aware of my emotional state and expressing my emotions as they, as I experience as I experience them. And I don't always do the things that I need to do. Um, and then I pay the price. I'll fall off the wagon. And usually with me, it's diet, because if I feel stressed, I find it very difficult to eat the spinach that I know I need to eat, you know? And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm always caught in this sort of like cycle of I'm feeling great. I push the boundaries, I fall apart, and then I pick myself up over all over again. And, you know, it's just like, why psychologically can I not just stick to the program? And I, I don't know if you have any thoughts there. I have lots of thoughts. So I would say, because it's hard. Like, have you, I mean, I, I've never tried the full keto diet. That is not easy. 
So I think intermittent fasted is not easy. Keto is not easy. Life happens, you know, exercise can happen when you have an easy schedule that you, you know, if you were single, <laughs> um, but you have a dog and kids and a husband and sometimes the weather changes. And so I, I just think that life happens. And so what I would say more is about if the expectation is, these are the things that I know that are helpful. I'm going to try to do them as much as I can. I know that things are going to derail me. And so when I get derailed, how can I try to be kind myself and try to just say, okay, so how can I get back on that? But I think it's really about recognizing all those things are really hard. Keto diet, exercise, intermittent fasting. That's very, very hard. You have to have a tremendous amount of control over your life and a ton of discipline. And, you know, part of life is like also just letting go. Like, I know that if I drink wine, I'm not going to sleep well, but do I never not, you know, do I always say, well, I'm not going to drink wine ever again? No, sometimes I drink wine and I like, okay, I'm going to regret it, but like, it feels nice. So I think it's about just being kinder to yourself and realizing that, um, maybe you could be healthier if you were super, super regimented and how would that also affect your life? That mm -hmm. would mean that you were a more rigid, inflexible person. And I don't know how well that's going to go along with kids and a husband and friends. So I think things derail you. And that's not great maybe for your health, but it's also part of what makes you fun to be around. I don't know if I would agree with the fun of being around part, but thank you. <laughs> no, I think it, I think those are all important points. And I, you know, I know that at some level, but you know, when you've, you, you've done the bad things and the next day you're beating yourself up because you're just like, I, 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 why can't I just dial it down? And I just bit. stop for one second. I wouldn't yeah. say you've done the bad things. Cause that, no, I mean, I'm saying, I think that's you being judgmental of yourself, but like life is about indulgences, right? You know, I, I think it's also about like sometimes we stay up too late or sometimes we do too much one day or sometimes we don't eat the right things. I mean, I think it's also about just kind of like today's a new day and I'm not going to beat myself up about the choices I made yesterday. I made them. Maybe I wasn't as present. Can I be more present today? So I would say, I think you're being hard on yourself. Well, it's the theme of my life. So <laughs> Join the club. Oh my goodness. All right. What else can we say here? You know, I, I want to talk about a couple of things that are silver linings when it comes to chronic illness, because there are some good things that can come out of it. I mean, I've been dealing with it for 20 years. I'm in a much better place than I was 20 years ago, but you know, it, there's, there's just a lot of things that you kind of learn along the way and they're important, right? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just that your priorities change. For me, it wasn't, it was about getting my health back. That's what it's about now. And it's, it's not about material success. It's not about like, it's not about how people perceive me or anything like that. It's more about, you know, how can I live in a healthy way and how can I become the better version of myself, which for me is not a material person. And I think too, you know, you, you start to question like all the things around your health, what is going to make me healthy? It's, you know, my relationships need to be really healthy. Otherwise I'm not a happy person and I'm not a healthy person. So how can I strengthen those relationships? And if there are friends that need to be let go because they're not supportive, then, you know, you kind of have to make peace with that and move on. And you really do learn who your friends are. You know, I've had, I've had some real disheartening experiences, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well now I know where I want to focus my time and energy. Right. No, I just think it's a really good important part 
I think it's a really important part that you made, uh, that you just said about friends, because I've definitely talked to a lot of my patients. And so for obviously for people with type C, people love people with type C because you're so amazing and generous and you do everything for someone else. And until it starts to affect your health. And so then you have to pull back. And I think it's really, really important to be honest with yourself that some of these people who you thought were your best friends were kind of users. It doesn't mean that they're bad people, right? Uh, but they've really enjoyed taking advantage of you and not necessarily in a malicious way, sometimes in a malicious way, but sometimes they're just good people, but they've, they're very needy. They have a lot of issues of their own. And so they've really appreciated your help. And it can be really hard to make that change and maybe create distance. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes that is part of the healthy path. And I think when your values change, naturally, some of your relationships are going to change because you may have had shared values with certain people and you don't value those things anymore and you've moved on to something different and they haven't. And I think that's something that, you know, just has to be sort of recognized and accepted and it's painful, but you know, it is what it is. And I think you had some great book recommendations you wanted to suggest. Yeah. You know, I, well, I read so much during this entire, you know, 20 years I read and read and read and read. I really do think that the book Radical Hope is fantastic because it's, it's, you know, it's geared towards people more with cancer, but it relates to everybody with chronic illness because it's basically, if you find yourself with something that is not easy to treat or diagnose or recover from, here are the things that you can do to get yourself into a, a better place. And you, you may not get back to the old self, but you can absolutely make progress. So that is Radical Hope by Kelly, Dr. Kelly Turner. I also think that book that we've referenced before by Dr. Nasha Winters, like everything that she writes about her deep nutrition approach, or hers is related to cancer, but it really can relate to any chronic illness. I, I just think it's invaluable. She has all this research about fasting. And I know fasting is very difficult, but when you read the scientific, scientific sort of backbone to fasting, it makes a lot of sense. It, it's kind of like, this is your body's chance to, to shed toxins, to regenerate and giving yourself that break can make a difference. And I will just say from my own perspective, it makes a huge difference, huge uh, it's not easy, but to your point, like just <laughs> do the, we do the best we can. And then I think there are some really great resources for if you feel alone in this illness, if you are struggling with people not being supportive or you're feeling losses from relationships, you know, there's a great documentary called Unrest by Jen Bray. It's on, it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's, it is anymore, but she started making a documentary around her health journey and you know, you, you can see it through her eyes. Uh, and for me, it just was validating like, okay, you know, she, she, her health was in a really, really dark place and she, her, she suffered far worse than I did, but I still felt like, wow, you know, people really are struggling out there. I'm not alone. And a couple of other books, Unwell Women by Eleanor Cleghorn and the Ladies Handbook for Mysterious Illness by Sarah Ramey. Both of those are also very validating in terms of just the health journey that women go on in particular and our journeys through the medical system and how difficult they can be and how when you're dealing with a chronic illness, you know, you, you really do have to deal with a lot of um, uh, dismissal and, you know, people telling you things are in your head and, and that's really, um, really painful and not helpful at all. 
And I think that's obviously getting a lot better. And you and I have talked before about functional medicine and how that is a completely different path that is absolutely the way to go with chronic illness, but not everybody has that available to them. So um, we'll put those in the show notes so people have them and don't have to write them down. But I, those, all of those help me and uh, a gazillion other books, which we'll talk about another time. But I think just on this topic today, those are the ones that come to mind. So I feel like we could go on and on, but we should probably wrap up because it's been a lot of us talking. So I really hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. And as always, please contact us if you have any comments and we'll talk to you next time. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast or there's a topic you want to talk about, please get in touch. Our email address is typectoolbox at gmail.com. If there's a story you'd like to share, we're putting together a book on Type C and we can always hide identities if desired. Check out our blog and Instagram for more on Type C, typectoolbox.com and at typectoolbox. And leave us a review on the podcast. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.